0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to another episode. We took a little hiatus. We got scared. Uh, uh, we took a nap. Um, we didn't get. We didn't get scared. We got busy.
1: Uh, yeah, that's it. We were busy. Yeah, I think Dude, the Last time we recorded was before Holy Week, and then it was like, I don't know if we got busy or just the whole year caught up to us, and we were just like, <sighs>
0: I don't have time to sit in a room and talk. Yeah. So the weird thing is, before we begin and introduce our wonderful illustrious guest, I have a little announcement. Uh huh. I don't know if everyone knows this. What. I'm a director now. Take that, Brian. Yep. Take that. <laughs> Lowly coordinator, Brian Jones. But let me remind you, Gomer, while you are now a director here, here at the go. church,
1: I am a senior director. You are a junior director, which those don't even actually exist on our org chart, but they do now. <laughs> They do spirits. I, I still just have to remind you, there's got to be a dig in there that I was a director before you. Yeah. You're welcome. I voted you on the team.
2: I just want to say the first shall be last and the last shall be oh, first, okay. so you should watch Excellent.
0: it. Excellent. Ooh, sick burn. Hey, 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 we haven't even introduced you yet. Pipe down. <laughs> yeah, sick burn. I mean, my family's name is on the founding family wall. It's fine. When did you get here? Years later? Whatever. Mm. This coffee is so good.
1: This is going to be a really awkward episode. We're just going to let everyone know, because we have two guests... And then we have myself and Michael Gormley. Uh, we only have three microphones, so Mike and I are sharing. So we're very close for this episode. Yeah.
0: For the record, I have a fourth microphone downstairs. I just, you know, it's all about being architects of impact, huh?
1: You just, you just want to be close. I do. Yeah. It's weird. All
0: right. Uh, so we're
1: really excited about this episode. Um, we're going to get into a topic that uh, is very relevant. I think it's, um, it's very controversial in some ways, depending on how you look at it and where your uh, political leanings might fall. But the reality is it really shouldn't be a political issue. It's a, it's a human issue that we should all be involved in and kind of be educating ourselves around. And so this episode is going to be on our newest, one of our newest ministries here at St. Anthony Padua, which is our Care for Creation group.
3: Okay. Um, I've been with the parish. This is Roger Ingersoll. And I've been with the parish now since about 2012. Um, when we moved back from Canada, we then came to this parish and tried, looked around. And we live in the Woodlands. And Paige, my daughter, said, you got to try this place, Dad. It's great. So that's why we ended up here. Do
0: you, do you know how they came up with the name Canada?
3: <laughs> oh.
0: No, they put a bunch of letters in a hat. And they pulled it out. And they go, see, sí, eh? eh? You get it because they say A all the time? That is the
1: lamest joke ever. Really quick, <laughs> Roger, a- what part of Canada are you from?
3: I'm not from there. Oh, I was working there. up there. I was, oh, ro- okay. I was working More up part. in Calgary.
1: Oh, nice. Very good.
3: The oil realm of that's Canada. right. I was an oil sand project uh,
0: guy. Oil sand project guy. That's yeah. what, is that, please tell
3: me that's what it said on your uh, business card. It, it, <laughs> Care for creation. I, bas- I basically had met several people that uh, were interested in the same topic. So we decided to get a group together and um, create the team. So I am the I am the person that sets up the meetings, runs the meetings, but I am not the leader.
0: Okay. So would you say you helped create the Care for
3: Creation? <laughs> I was a co-creator.
0: <laughs> what might even say a pro-creator?
3: And the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can't even
1: say what I was going to say this next. Is
0: why I don't have an have.
1: What yeah. About. The the next thing I was going to say was you co-created the group because the real creator was Pope Francis when he wrote Laudato Si. Absolutely. Right. That was kind of what prompted he, this group for me.
3: That's, that's one of the primary motivations. Awesome. awesome.
1: Great. So, um, and, and we'll you get, are not alone. yeah, so we'll get into what Laudato Si is in a minute, but let's introduce our other guest. Who are you?
2: I am Katie Crawl. I've been in the parish with my family for 20 years now. Um, my husband's a deacon here. My kids have all, congratulations. Oh, thank you. um, Our kids have all grown up here in the parish. In fact, you were both youth ministers for a couple of my kids, so... Hey-o! Are they still Catholic? Yes. As far as... Hey, as far as I know, yes. I'm taking all the credit. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we've been here a long time, Mike and I, and uh, involved in a lot of different ministries. And when he was going through formation and I was doing that with him, we kind of took a hiatus. Well, I took a hiatus from a lot of ministries and was looking for something to do. Um, Now that he's been ordained and here comes Roger and said, would you like to be involved in this care for creation team? And I said, sure. And so here we are.
3: I saw her picking up plastic bottles after meetings. That's how I knew that she was interested. So Uh, you you saw her, you saw her picking up (laughs) plastic bottles and you thought, man, there is someone someone that cares for creation. Absolutely. Because then I asked her, I think, and she said, oh, I take them all home. And then I sh- recycle them. I went, oh, okay.
1: Let's talk about what is Laudato Si'. Um, I know, I know some people know about it. It's one of uh, Pope Francis's encyclicals um, that he's written since becoming pope, um, which is what you have to become to write an encyclical. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, so share with us a little bit more about Laudato Si'. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear from your perspective, Roger, because I know you've you've read through the document uh, probably more than once, um, and you you've got a great knowledge of what this is all about.
3: Thank you, Stephen. Um, <laughs> no, I have read. Th- I definitely read through it. It's one of those things that once I was uh, convinced to start looking at, um, you know, I do, I do climate advocacy, but that's really separate from the care for creation. But uh, I was asked to read that because the person knew that uh, I was Catholic and he knew that uh, it might strike a chord and get me involved because he was trying to sign me up. And I did that. And it was quite revealing because uh, it, it's not just about, and that document covers a wide range of topics. And it came out in 2015. Uh, very controversial, as you, as you all know. But um, he, he talks not just about – he talks about care for creation. He talks about climate change. He talks about uh, conspicuous consumption, uh, you know, uh, lo- the loss of diversity of uh, plants and animals across the world, and really uh, care for the poor. Uh, the fact that everything that's changing now is having a profound effect on the poor. And so all those things kind of and I have other reasons that I got involved, but uh, that really was something that was uh, uh enlightening to me and uh probably life changing
1: yeah yeah that 's interesting the the tie in that it 's not just like you know i think i think there's this i guess aversion or controversy anytime you start talking about you know the planet or green initiatives and things like that of kind of just assuming like, oh, these people are just tree huggers or whatever, you know, those right. type of more derogatory type, you know, characterizations. But yeah. I think you put it in reality. It, it's, not, it's not just a plant issue or an animal issue. It's, a, it's very much a human issue. Right. Um, and it's going, it's, you know, first it's going to impact the poor, but it's really going to impact all of us um, and the future generations that come after us. So it's a great point. Yeah. In,
3: in reality, it's a life issue. It's not just, uh, it's, it's, it's all of our lives across the world. So so you could say it's a pro-life issue. You could, if, uh, but pro-life might not like that because they like to – that's kind of a phrase that they, they they are sensitive about. Yeah, so one of the interesting things is every so often I go on to various
0: Catholic news sites, you know, and uh, I was on LifeSite News before. And it's so funny to me how, like speaking to the controversy, they can't quote Pope Francis saying anything about anything without a criticism, anything about the um, about the climate, without it following up a criticism on a, him not mentioning abortion, as if we can't be against abortion and to try to correct global climate change. Because here's the deal. Abortion is the direct in, uh, killing of innocent human life. Homicide, direct homicide, catechism of the Catholic Church, always to be condemned because it is homicide, right? But when we talk about the care of creation, we're talking about, here is something that can, number one, will adversely affect all of us, will and has been, and number two, will adversely affect the most vulnerable among us. You have heat waves in France that result in like 93 deaths a few summers ago. Um, You have, uh, you know, all sorts of, you know, um, destroyed pasture land and like all these different catastrophes that are related to climate that are killing people. But in the end, it's going to affect everyone severely, right? So... That's why I think it's important to frame it in a Catholic moral perspective. Did you all have any?
2: What you're saying really rings true because Laudato Si, that wasn't really the beginning of all this. I mean, we can go back much farther. We can go back to St. Francis. We can go back, you know, this is nothing new in the church. And I think often this movement is called solidarity with the poor because ultimately that's who it it does affect the most. And so, I don't know, when I talk to my kids about this too, I try to put it in that perspective. It's not so much of just saving the earth or doing something good for the earth. But, you know, what are, we're so blessed here in the woodlands in our lovely little bubble and we live this really abundant life, but are we the only ones who are supposed to have access to that? Does everybody deserve to have that abundant life? And so what can we do so that other people can share in the same kind of life that we have? So when we think about it like that in human terms, I don't know, that's much easier for me to talk to my kids about it than just to say, would you please just, you know, drink out of the stainless steel straw instead of the- <laughs> when we move over to something like well, that's that.
0: my orange juice tastes gross. I know. So, yeah.
2: So I, I do. I harp on my kids when they bring home plastic bags from the from the store and they're just they hang their heads in shame and they're like we're sorry mom we're so sorry <laughs>
0: and then you slowly put the plastic bag over their heads and
1: tie it in the back
2: <laughs> not quite You'll be sorry for
0: the last time <laughs> so i
1: so it's interesting because i i think right now you know I'll, I'll be honest like i i care about like the earth obviously. I like, I like living on it. Um, but I wouldn't say that I've been like a champion of like the green movement in my life. I I, am willing to admit that and not because I don't care, but you know, just, I don't know. I've focused on other things for a while and now I have children and I've had them quickly. (laughs) I really think we're getting, I'm hoping that we're getting to a point now where this is becoming less a political issue and more of a human issue in our discussions. And I say that because, like, the big headlines this week on the news have been about what's going on in the Amazon rainforest in Brazil. I mean, just acres and acres and acres of, you know, forest and, and, and rainforest just completely being wiped out. Um, when I was in college, I actually got to go into a part of the rainforest uh, on a mission trip. We We went to... Uh, this tiny, tiny remote village. There was no electricity. So and so, what's happening down there? At least what I'm reading in the headlines. It's it's scary. I mean, you know, the the, the fact that the rainforest in Brazil provides like 20 percent uh, of the the oxygen that we breathe on Earth just from that one country and yet it's not regulated well. There's corruption in the government down there. There's not support internationally in a way that's a united front. Um, the, you know, this is, These are serious ramifications that could impact all of our children. I'm starting to kind of realize that I need to broaden my horizons and not get trapped in this political game because I think one of the things that we have been entrusted as Catholics is that we have a gift from God to be able to not get caught up in the political game. If it's a human issue, if it's a gospel issue, we have to take it out of politics and say, this is something important. Um, and Pope Francis, I think does that in Laudato see si. He ties back to, you know, some of the, the realities of care for creation tie back to some of the greatest saints in the church that you would never know. St. Bonaventure, um, you know, even in the book of wisdom, there's, there's talk of this, this idea of care for creation. Roger, how would you, you know, suggest, um, you know that we start as a parish, as a community here in the Woodlands. What can we do? What can the average person at St. Anthony, sitting in the pew, do to care for creation that they may not be currently
3: thinking? Well, I think what we're, we're focusing on is we're starting with kind of the easy stuff first. I mean, when we had our first meeting, they, there was quite a bit of interest with re- recycling. Of course, recycling is not as simple as it used to be because the markets has has pretty much collapsed. But there's still uh, so that mean, means reduce and reuse you know we got to get away from single-use plastics as much as possible a good example for me is like i was was showing my wife you know you have a a lighter for your fire you know it's it's, you know use it however long it takes and you use it up and then you toss it out i said you know i I bought a book big box of matches just like we used to use as kids right and it costs a lot less and then there's nothing left over that that doesn't break down at the end of the day and we're just so used to the convenience they have in that lighter, that scripto lighter, that um, we don't really need that kind of stuff when you think about it, you know. Or everything now that uh, – if you get soaps, everything's in a plastic container. Uh, you know, what's wrong with a bar of soap? I mean, you know, everybody used to use bars of soap. It's like, oh, my gosh, I'm not using that. But, no, it's uh, – and if you think about these things, because plastics are that, – that, that's become a huge problem around the world. And, and uh, yes, I became a scuba diver when I retired. Okay, And they're now finding plastics everywhere. That they, they they took the deepest dive into the the uh, canyon of the uh, Atlantic Ocean, or maybe it was the Pacific. They got down five miles of water. What did they find down there? They found plastics, which is incredible. Um, and and so, an operating Coke machine. Really <laughs> <little> weird. <laughs> right. Really weird. Fish right. love Coke Zero. We'll, we'll cover the sugar lobby on our next... Big sugar. That's one of the things that this group's interested in, you know, because... Yeah. Basically, I'm pretty much trying to keep the climate stuff separate from all the other stuff because they are, they're not the same issue, but they've found in, in this other group that I work, work for, uh, if you can get people involved with some of the basic stuff with uh, recycling and other things, that builds an interest in the topic itself. And um, you know, So the, you would say that recycling is a
0: gateway drug to the larger. <laughs> to <laughs> it's the one, larger of, one of many things one we of many, can, many things we can do. No, but, no and it's right. It's it's because also the idea is personal responsibility, right. right? Like you begin to see. Like I remember when we I never had a recycle bin, and I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. Now we got to get a recycle bin down in Sugarland, and our recycling. We became fanatics overnight for the actual act of sorting our trash, and then we realized. We have a lot more recyclables than we do things that we can throw away right. if, you know, you look at the plastics and now everything for us is Amazon deliveries and all that. Then you end up like really start racking up this stuff. And then you think like I was driving by, we we're going down to Sugarland yesterday, and I drove by one of those U-haul stores that says, you know, boxes, tape, packing supplies. And I just thought, do we does anyone need to buy a, a packing box? Are there enough in the world? <laughs> like every every Amazon delivery can become a packing box, right? You start to think about these things and you realize like if it's made of plastic, it's never gonna go anywhere unless a machine expends energy to grind it up and turn it into something new. Why not just go with the other things, right? Like there are very simple modifications that the average human can do that once multiplied by thousands and then hundreds of thousands and millions of people causes shifts in markets, right? So we don't want everything in plastic wrap, you know, when you can use paper. Paper is biodegradable. It's not great that we have waste, but it's better that the waste breaks down, right? And things like that. You start making these little modifications and your personal responsibility can have a global global effect. It's one thing that, Gomer, you kind
1: of made me think of was uh, the idea of what Mother Teresa used to say. One of her most famous quotes is like, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family first or something to that effect. And and it's the same way. If you want to change the world in terms of care for creation, go home and start with your own family, right? Work on recycling in your own home. Uh, I was really... Actually, it's funny that we're recording this today because we put out our trash on Fridays and our recycling same day. And I was... I was actually really proud of us. I looked at it, and our recycling bin, I'm going to show off for a minute because this doesn't happen very often, but, like, our recycling bin was far more full than our trash can, and I was, and it it, it made me kind of proud that, like, my wife, because she's more, she's home more during the day than I am, that is like she's really paying attention to this stuff and separating it out, um, you know, as she goes through the day with the boys, so what were you going to say?
2: Um, part of our interest, well, at least my interest, but as our family, we have five kids, so that's on the larger side, maybe not for Catholics, but um, for most people dealing with things, and so simply by necessity, you have to learn how to manage things. So it's one thing to go out and you know buy a bottle of water at the store, but when you have it times five or you know how many, however many people you have with you, it becomes kind of a problem. So I think that's how I first got interested in it, and you start trying to figure out how to manage those things. And as Roger mentioned before, you know once upon a time we didn't even, you know, if you were thirsty and you went somewhere you had to take a bottle with you or Or go to the water fountain go to the water fountain or provide, you know, I mean, I think about my mom's generation, my grandparents' generation, it was just very different. Um, Things are convenient and it's nice to have those conveniences. And sometimes I would say they're even um, necessary when you're in certain situations, but a little forethought, a little planning can go a long way. Um, And you can make it fun too. I mean, with our kids, you know, we all have our plastic bottles with our stickers from everywhere we've been and traveled and done things like that. But or whatever I'm, podcast you've been on. Exactly. Yeah. Do we get a sticker? No. Oh, anyway. Bummer. <laughs> so anyway. Um, <laughs> I want a new logo sticker, please.
1: Oh, we have them downstairs. Okay, cool. Yeah.
2: Anyway, um, but really just trying to manage those those things, they do take some forethought. I think that's part of what we're trying to do here with Care for Creation too, with our team, is um, as a ministry here at the parish. It's also, I mean, our job to kind of formulate new ideas to give to other people in ministry and parishioners so you don't have to sit around and think of these ideas, you know. If we can help with that by brainstorming and coming up with ideas to implement, then maybe that helps people along. So,
1: Yeah, and I think that one of the things that your average, you know, parishioner or person in the community sometimes they get overwhelmed with is like – they feel helpless sometimes when it comes to to care for creation, right? Like it's like, yes, I know it's important, but like I'm so busy, my life is so hectic. What can I really do? Um, and one of the cool things that I would love to see happen here. Um, so one of the things I always try and do on the podcast is somehow tell a story relating to like football because it makes Gomer uncomfortable. Um, and so not only am I going to do this, not only am I going to do this right now, but I'm going to tie it to my. Favorite college football team, and I'm going to tie it to Care for Creation all at the same time. Watch where I'm going with this, okay? Are you talking
0: about the University of Houston Cougars? No, I'm, I'm
1: talking I'm about. I'm going with Georgia. I'm going with, yeah. yeah. Thank you. The University yeah. of Georgia Bulldogs. Oh, Go Dogs. Yeah. So here's the cool thing the Archbishop of Atlanta, um, former Archbishop of Atlanta, uh, Archbishop Gregory, who's now the Archbishop of Washington, D.C., um, he. Actually, while he was still Archbishop of Atlanta after Laudato Si', he commissioned a group from the Archdiocese to go and meet with university professors at the University of Georgia in Athens. And together, um, the University of Georgia and the Archdiocese of Atlanta came out with a document. Um, basically, it's an action plan for the Archdiocese of Atlanta of how to implement Laudato Si', And it is awesome it is beautifully written you can find it just if you google archdiocese of atlanta and uga um you'll find this document as well as a winning football program in your search engine go dogs um but sorry katie i have to you're a diehard aggie we're playing each other I this am season not an
2: aggie. Oh, oh my no, gosh not? i have not been that. offended i <laughs> oh have my, a Longhorn. oh i thought you were an aggie really I just, oh, that's no, i i married that's an Mike. aggie oh oh
1: that's oh. even better no. okay Slave. sorry <laughs> Sorry. Um, sorry. Well, shout out to you, Deacon Crawl. So there you go. But, um, but this document, not to get on a tangent, morning. is beautiful. And so it's, it's laid out in the table of contents. It's, it's about 50 pages long, and there's different sections basically breaking down how to implement Loud Auto C in your home, at your parish level, even down to how parish's landscape, even down to like how you use transportation in that region, because like transportation in Atlanta is different than transportation in Houston, right? They actually have a metro system, um, things like that. Uh, they discuss how you, how you best use that and how you kind of reduce your carbon footprint. And it's beautiful. And It's all from the church perspective. They tie in the, uh, the wisdom of the saints into this document. There's even a section called the Judeo-Christian tradition of care for God's creation. Um, so I'd really encourage anyone listening to this, if you haven't, this wasn't just a ploy to talk about my favorite football team. I'm really actually proud of my alma mater, UGA, and the Archdiocese of Atlanta where I used to work coming together and putting this document together because I think it's a beautiful example of what...
3: And a model for what other dioceses and parishes can do to implement a plan. I think what you'd find, though, from diocese to diocese is a kind of an uneven adoption or even knowledge of the Laudato Si. Because uh, some have taken very aggressive, uh, like Atlanta apparently, but others, I mean, if you, if you go to up to a priest and God love them, they're so busy, they have so many things on their plate. For them to be well-versed in Laudato Si, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. So that's um, there's a lot of useful information out there, a lot of useful uh, references. Um, we've got the season of creation coming up now in the month of September. Um, also goes- known as Autumn. but that's that's not till the twenty first. We're starting, but yeah, the season wasn't an engineer of sand. (laughs) Science major. (laughs) But uh, yeah, the the Pope's uh, he's he's set aside the month of September up until uh, Saint Francis of Assisi Feast Day as kind of the uh, season of creation for the Church, which is October fourth. October fourth, and October fifth is. The chili cook-off. And <laughs> <laughs> and you are welcome, Catholic Daughters of America. That's right. Yes.
2: And the blessing and of the pets.
3: Oh, the blessing so of fun. the pets. And we are going to have, the Care for Creation team is going to have the best chili at the uh, Uh-oh. Chili Fest.
1: Um, what are you going to serve the chili in? That we are working on We're that. working on it. We're on working Plastic on Plastic bowls <laughs> that
3: and, will then be
0: reused as top hats.
3: And, <laughs> and I don't want to hear the joke that we're going to create a green chili, okay? (laughs) Sorry,
0: I had to... Let's talk specifically about the Care for Creation group. Um, How long have you been around, and what do you specifically want to focus on within this group?
3: Well, we had our first meeting in June, and we've had one meeting a month since then. We had 14 diehard uh, Catholics show up at the first meeting, Die, hard. die so hard. Bruce Willis was there. <laughs> he was.
1: So that
0: means they recycle and they pray the rosary.
3: <laughs> they
0: no. pray the rosary on metal beads or wood beads. None of that plastic stuff. Go no, on. I, th-
3: I think everybody kind of came initially just to see what it was about and see whether it's something they wanted to be involved with. And, and uh, you know, we've had, we, we don't get everybody at every meeting, but uh, we've been pretty successful. You know, seven to 10 people ish coming to meetings. And, you know, basically we're trying to figure out what we want to do yeah I mean, we're still still just started, uh, and like I said, one of the first things that came up was a lot of interest in recycling uh you know there's education too there's potential we may try to get a a class together on Ladato c that we can get then you know breakout discussion groups um you know, and me and you sometimes do the old uh, one-two punch with that. We've done that, yeah.
0: We, I was—they uh, were successful, right? Yeah, yeah, we ought to redo that. We ought to. We no, ought to. It's
3: been two years. It has. Well, I mean, we kind of did the wow. same thing for the sisters. Yep. For the sisters, but that was that was not really it doesn't count up here. Okay, fair enough. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that was I would intro the whole idea. My goal was to situate the moral problem of ignoring nature and climate. The moral problem rooting it in not a Christian impulse to see creation as an expression of God's glory, but in a neo pagan impulse, essentially, of the Enlightenment to see creation as nothing other than a mechanism to be manipulated for power. Right? So that's what the, uh, even though the leaders of the original Enlightenment were Christian men, like Francis Bacon and whatnot, um, often as they turned to the natural sciences, they wanted to divorce them from. Spiritual reality. So in the beginning, they were all dualists. Spirit's over here, matter's over there, and matter is just mere matter that we can manipulate. Everything is uh, mechanistic, right? So you call it a a materialistic, mechanistic view of the universe. And then once the Protestant wars and the Enlightenment, all that stuff took shape, you lost the spiritual. So now all you have is what we call today atheistic materialism, right? And from that perspective, it's so funny because now people on the left who would consider themselves to be maybe atheistic materialists are championing the environment. But it is from those initial understandings of a mechanistic view of the universe that this truly global problem happened because this is what gave birth to the Industrial Revolution. This is what gave birth to a lot of these views of if even if I pollute, it doesn't matter. Because I'm, you know, whatever. I'm making something. We have social progress, whatever. And the idea of its impact on the environment and thus on human persons was was never even considered an option until you started getting the rise of lawsuits of poisoned waters and um, chemicals and all of this stuff. And so this mechanistic view of the universe that we can just pull our levers and fix everything to our will is what C.S. Lewis so brilliantly said in Abolition of Man. It's the... Uh, it's not man's domination over nature. It's men dominating other men using nature as the weapon. And the sad thing is, this is the fallout, right? Climates being damaged, um... You know, lives being lost is the fallout of that atheistic, mechanistic view of the universe. And I would finish my talk and then be like, and here's Roger, former ExxonMobil employee, right? Right? That you would get up there and be like, I work for an oil company. I'm not some bleeding heart person. But this is the science. This is the data. And I'm doing it for my daughters and grandkids, right? So it kind of recontextualizes the debate for so many people, right? And that's
3: the problem is when you hear this, it's so politicized. You know? But we still have the duty to steward creation, right? But if, if you look at social teaching, Catholic social teaching from natural birth to natural death, natural birth to natural death, then um, it, it's, it's a continuum. It's not just a, a life issue in terms of, you know, right to life. But everything we're talking about with the Pope's Encyclical is everything in between, everything in between that, that affects our lives and affects the lives of the poor in particular and if Jesus was nothing else, he was a champion of the poor. So that's that's one of the things that I keep trying to get back to when, it, when I'm talking to people and just get them to think about it. Yeah, yeah the Lord hears the cry of the poor.
2: So I do think, yeah, I really do want to emphasize that it this is so not a political issue. I mean, I really think that that stops a lot of people from getting involved and engaged in this particular topic because they, if they have a certain political view, they've already made up their minds about what they hear um, in the news and things about the environment, but you know as a universal church we 're far beyond the united states we 're far beyond the politics that exists here or even worldwide i mean we're we 're trying to you know encompass all people of the world that 's the the goal of our faith and so when we we go out as missionaries as Catholics, you know what 's the first thing missionaries go out and do? They want to provide shelter, clean water, you know safety for the people that they 're working with, and so I mean ultimately that's what we're working for. We're trying to make things more equitable. We're trying to give people basic human needs. I mean, satisfy their human needs. And so if we think about that instead of the soundbite that's coming at us from the news and kind of sift through all that, I think it helps a lot. And also with Lodato C, when it did come out, there was a lot of hype around it and controversy. And I would just encourage people, just go read it. I mean, the the first thing that I did when it came out, I heard all kinds of negativity and then I heard some positive things and I thought, you know, I'm never going to know unless I go read it. And so, it's an
1: easy, super easy it, read. What I mean, a concept.
2: I mean, I mean really. I mean,
0: Primary sources. It's free. It's free
1: online. It's
2: free online. More and like it's...
0: Laudato free. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Everyone's hanging their head in shame. Come on. That was, it's an audio production.
2: But really, I, I I encourage everybody to go read it. I'm it is free. It's it's enlightening. It's and instead of letting someone else form your opinion, you should go form your opinion for yourself.
0: And that's a really good point that you made. The group is not here for climate advocacy politics. No. The group is here to care for creation, yes. right, and to teach people understanding things like reduce, uh, recycle, and all that stuff.
3: Roger, I was just going to say one of the things that Steve, one of the things Stephen did was he put in. He's starting to put into the uh, bulletin. Uh, Care for Creation corners. I can't take all the credit for that. Mary Bill's uh, helping. Give as a well. Shout out to Mary Beale for that. Yeah, but, yeah. Mary Beale's helping with that as well, and they're really very well done. Because what they do is they go back into the history of the Catholic Church just to show how much we've supported. And you know, they quote popes to go back. You know, to uh, JP two, uh, Benedict. Benedict put, uh, put put solar cells on top of the on top of the Vatican for crying out loud. I mean, we, he's he's the green pope. So we have a long history. People just don't realize that. We have a long history of, of our popes and uh, our church supporting this very concept.
2: But, you know, people are working, and there's no reason to reinvent the wheel everywhere. There's no reason we can't share resources. Since we are a universal church, if somebody's coming up with these ideas, why not share them among us and, right. and you and know, try to spread the good word? One of things, like
3: the Catholic Climate Covenant, is one, it's, it's a group that's been out there. They actually was established by the USCCB back in, uh, I think, about almost— 10, 12 years ago, and they have a, a wealth of information, and we just, I just haven't had time to dig into it. Katie's going to help me look into that. Uh, they have programs, they have Laudato C study programs, they have a, a power program that they'll come in and they'll do an audit on your on your church and other things. I, I think that we've considered doing that in the past, but um, there's just, there's so much out there, It's it's, it's almost overwhelming, honestly.
2: Uh, Too. I think for our group as well, we talked about most of the people who are in the group um, participate in other ministries throughout the parish. And so, one of the things that we thought would happen is if they were in another ministry or if someone is out there um, in a ministry in the church and they just have questions, that they can come to the care for creation team. You say, Hey, I have a ministry. We want to figure out an alternative to using styrofoam cups for our coffee. Do you have any ideas? You know, I mean, that's kind of what we're here for as well as a sounding board and uh, a place to uh, come up with new ideas and. Um, so somebody else doesn't have to, you know, sit around and figure that out. We can help with things so y'all like help that.
1: So you all help audit a ministry on on if they're green or not.
3: No, we're not
2: doing <laughs> that. No, no auditing. <laughs> we will respond if asked for help. If someone asks well, for I, help, so
3: I, I really hope that we're we're uh, out there to just kind of collaborate with groups. We're not here to make work for anybody. We're right. here to like figure out ways to do things easier and and perhaps. Um, source different materials. Uh, for example, plastics are really a problem, but if you can buy all your sodas or whatever your drinks are in, in aluminum, aluminum's a market that's never gonna go away. It's, it's really, uh, it's profitable. Plastics and others, that they're a big problem. You know, one of the things is once you use a plastic, it's gotta be cleaned, you know, you know, transported to recycle something, everything else. So that's why if you can use more aluminum or you can use things that can be reused, that's the thing that, you know, we're hoping that we can collaborate with other groups. Uh, we're hoping to talk to Life Teen. Uh, we actually, I know we're going to talk to Life Teen because we're thinking of ways that maybe we can get teens enthused about this as well. Uh, I mean, that's – it's their world, you know. Right. From, uh, you know, I'm going <laughs> I'm not going to be around forever, and, but they are. Yeah, you know? Well, and I, and I think this ties in even to like our parish
1: vision statement of belong, believe, bless. This is so clearly the blessed portion. It's not about even necessarily blessing us so that we're going to see, you know, some, a, a reaction or a difference tomorrow. This goes back to that idea of stewardship. When we, when we talk about this, when we talk about building buildings around here, you know, and doing capital campaigns, it's the same thing in care for creation. We are trying to bless the next generation. We are trying to pass on a world um, that is better than the way we found it. Um, And so some of these things, like when you're talking about recycling or using aluminum, um, yeah, you may not see an initial reaction. We may still have a really bad hurricane this year or whatever next year, um, but you're doing it for maybe something that you won't ever see. And that's the beauty of of a truly Christian heart is doing something because it's morally right, even if you don't get to see the fruits of that labor. So um, really quick, because we've kind of been going for a little while now, I want to Uh, we give everyone an opportunity when they come on the podcast um, to share, what are some opportunities that are coming up with your ministry specifically um, in the next month or so?
3: You want to take it first, Katie?
2: Sure. So our our next uh, Care for Creation team meeting is going to be on Saturday, September 21st, and uh, everybody's welcome to come. Obviously we have some members who have attended, but uh, people are welcome to join us and uh, just come and brainstorm ideas and talk about what the parish wants to see in this particular area and uh, how we can be helpful.
3: The other thing we're we're trying to plug is that uh, we've become aware of the uh, Sisters of Charity of the Incarnate Word. They're having the World Day of Prayer uh, at their... It's it's an ecumenical service. It's going to be on September 7th, Saturday, September 7th at 10 a.m. They have an Eventbrite uh, page that you can go... uh, register so that you can go. And if you've never been to their facility, the uh, Villa... Villa, Villa.
0: de Mattel.
3: Villa de Mattel. The
0: links in the show notes.
3: Yeah, it, it is an absolutely gorgeous uh, chapel. That I think it's the prettiest one I've ever seen in Houston. Oh, it's
0: the best in Houston. It's, yeah, it's, it's gorgeous.
3: gorgeous. And anyway, so that's where they're going to have it. But they've got a uh, uh, Lutheran bishop coming. They got uh, Archbishop Fiorenza, retired. He's, he's going to be there. Uh, and a few like uh, Lena Hidalgo, the uh, judge from downtown. I think they've invited some members of Congress, at least staffers, to show up. Uh, it's, it's, it's in Presbyterian Church, a wide number of churches, and they're going to have like three homilies from three different uh, pastors. Um, and, and a gospel choir, f- a Catholic gospel choir, which I didn't realize we had one, but we do in, in, in Houston. Um, so it's going to be a really cool event, and my grandkids are going to be dressed up, and they're going to get a photograph that's going to go viral. What? What I, is, I'm predicting it. Wh- why, why is it going to go viral? Because they're going to look they, – they're adorable. Are you oh, kidding?
1: okay. I thought, I thought they were, like, dressing up in, some, like, no, in well, a special they, they, costume, they like the, a tree they, they will have
3: the, or... have the logo of uh, Citizens Climate Lobby on. When they, and the kids are all going to prepare these, uh, like, signs and so forth. Um, so if, if you have children and you want to get them involved in this, that's a, another thing that would be a lot of fun. I think they, the, the facility itself seats about 300, 350, four, maybe 400. So, I would get your you know get your name in or get get your reservation as soon as possible. But anyway, it's, it, it, what is, it's going to be about, and I'll just read here that the day of prayer offers an opportunity for Houston faith leaders, environmental groups, and local officials to join hearts and voices at a decisive moment for our natural world. Scientists, activists, uh, the world's poor, even children from across the globe are beseeching leaders in all areas of civic life to inspire moral action to address the current ecological crisis. So it's it's a very broad topic, it's, it's, uh, and th- the sisters themselves have taken on Laudato Si' and Care for Creation as one of their main themes. Uh, I can't really explain how they picked that, but uh, and all I can say is it's, it's a beautiful facility downtown. They have like 70-some-odd acres. Uh, there's a grotto down there. Um, I mean, it's just gorgeous, so if you get a chance to get there, it's well worthwhile. Awesome. Well,
1: um, yeah, and and, and before we go, I want to give one other quick special shout out that I think is appropriate on this particular episode of the podcast. And that is uh, to the Texas A&M Forest Reserve, I think it's called, um, over in Jones State Forest, very close to the parish here um, on FM 1488. If you've never been there, they are fantastic. If you have questions, you want to learn about kind of the natural environment in this part of Texas, because it's very unique where we live. Um, The the woodlands is kind of the start of what's known as like Piney Woods, Texas and East Texas, at least from the Southern point. Um, So yeah, special shout out to them. They've really been a huge resource uh, to St. Anthony of Padua in particular, and helping us to figure out what we can be doing better on the grounds of our parish, Um, not only to to make it aesthetically beautiful, but make sure that it's, uh, you know, that it's being done in a way that God intended it to be done, which is really an important part of the equation Um, So thank you to all of them. Um, And with that said, we will have more information for you guys in the show notes. And uh, you can always get involved with Care for Creation by contacting um, Roger Ingersoll or Katie Kral. Um, their information's there. You can also find their group on Church Center Groups, um, which is our new uh, kind of our new parish database of, of groups and things that you want to join. You can check that out. They've got a lot of great and we've resources. we
3: populated our site with like all of our presentations and our meeting notes and things like that. So if you have an interest and just want. I guess you could join, take a look at it, and decide whether you like it or not. But uh, we, we welcome anybody to, to join. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time to show up today on this
1: beautiful Friday afternoon. And uh, Gomer, you got anything else?
0: Heal the world, make it a better place. Just stop. for you <laughs> and for me and the entire human race. There are people dying.
1: Don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs>